Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To my bed crimers, hi, how are you doing? I hope you're having a great day. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out the channel. Let me just ask that after watching and or listening to this video, if you find you enjoyed it or learned something, do me a favor, smash the like button. It's free, it's easy, and it really helps with the algorithms. If the Delphi case out of Indiana couldn't get any more upsetting and thrown off its long and winding road toward a trial and justice, now comes a 136-page document from suspect Richard Allen's defense team claiming that followers of a pagan Norse religion called Odinism killed victims Libby German and Abby Williams as part of a ritual sacrifice. The defense team is further arguing that suspect Richard Allen had nothing to do with the heinous crime. Now, before we jump hook, line, and sinker into this new information, let's remember that Richard Allen confessed to the crime several times, reportedly, while on the phone from the correctional facility he's calling home when he was speaking to his wife, Kathy. He was also found with numerous items associated with the crime, including a firearm that is connected to an unspent bullet found near the girl's lifeless bodies. So that's a clear link between Richard Allen and the crime scene. And Allen also admitted to a park ranger that he was at the hiking trail system when the crime occurred. So he put himself within the trail system when the girls were attacked. But then again, the authorities have said at times it's possible Ellen did not act alone, that others may be involved. The worst part of all of this is that Richard Allen's trial is scheduled to begin in January of 2024. Libby and Abby's families have been waiting six years for answers and justice. How are they handling this motion by the defense team? its shocking contents, and its potential repercussions. The defense team is saying that nothing links Allen to Odinism or any religious cult. So, if Odinist symbols were found at the crime scene, I guess they're arguing that it could not have been Alan who left them there. So, what I'm going to say to you all is, take all of this with a giant grain of pink Himalayan salt. Because the defense feels the authorities obtained the probable cause warrant to search Alan's home by not sharing all this info about potential other suspects, namely people practicing Odinism, they want the evidence that was found at Alan's home thrown out and deemed inadmissible. That would cripple the prosecution's case against Alan, and it could lead Alan to get a get-out-of-prison card. Of course, they are defense lawyers, and it's their job to sow the seeds of reasonable doubt and do pretty much anything and everything to get their client out of the charges. The defense attorneys further argue that two groups of Odinists 
one from Delphi, and one from Rushville in Indiana were investigated for their involvement in the crime. And they also are saying that investigators found multiple Odinist symbols at the crime scene. These symbols are called runes. R-U-N-E-S. They are basically letters. Note that the defense attorneys are claiming that these so-called Odinists are actually white supremacists who hijacked Odinism. They sound like a lovely bunch of people to have a drink with on Friday night. So the defense is saying that this group of Odinists in Indiana had motive to harm Libby and Abby because one of Libby and Abby's parents was apparently dating a person of another race. They are also saying that the crime could not have been committed by just one person. But let me caution everyone, this could be the defense team weaving a story, again, to sow reasonable doubt about their client and to get him off the charges. That is their job, after all, to get him off the charges whether or not he's guilty. Let me throw it out there that Richard Allen could have left these symbols which I'll describe a little later, himself to throw the investigators off. I mean, let's be real. If you're an Odinist and you want to commit a murder and you want to get away with it, are you going to leave your symbols all over the crime scene? And are you going to commit the crime in the middle of the day? Don't pagan religions do stuff like this late at night? Under the veil of darkness? Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. In this 136-page document, the defense says that there is one potential suspect who has ties to one or both of the girls and to Odinism. They're saying this man's son dated Abby. His name is Brad Holder. The man apparently made a number of Facebook postings, including one describing certain parts of the crime scene before any information about what the crime scene looked like had been released to the public. But this man supposedly has an alibi, and he's now asking for a lawyer willing to work pro bono to defend him. For all these reasons and more, the defense is saying the search warrant served on Allen's property was, quote, defective and illegal. They want what's called a Franks hearing, which would determine if the search warrant was obtained without probable cause. If the search warrant is deemed defective and illegal, then all that evidence found at Allen's residence would no longer be admissible in court. That means that the firearm connected to the unspent bullet would be tossed out, and we know that's a huge part of the prosecution's case. The defense also wants Allen transferred immediately from the Westville Correctional Facility because they're claiming that members of the Odinist group work at the facility and are threatening Allen's life. The defense is saying they've seen, quote, in Odin we trust, end quote, patches on some prison workers' uniforms. And they're also saying that Alan mentioned threats from Odinites during one of his interviews. 
again, did Alan come up with this Odinous story to take the heat off himself? Back to the runes or symbols supposedly left at the crime scene. Apparently, some sticks placed at the crime scene on and around Libby and Abby's bodies formed these Norse letters or symbols known as runes. There was also some painting done at the crime scene with blood on a tree. The defense wants the judge to believe these symbols have to have been left there by somebody practicing Odinism, or several Odinists, and not by Richard Allen, who is not an Odinist. The rumors after the crime, the bits and pieces on Reddit, were always that the crime scene was very weird. Very scary, very macabre. Yes, if you see twigs and branches and strange arrangements and letters written in blood on a tree, that's pretty scary and strange. So specifically, according to this 136-page memo, the runes left at the crime scene were formed with sticks and tree branches, and one letter was painted with Libby German's blood on a tree, and supposedly there were bow antlers created with sticks and branches placed above Abby's head. Some of Richard Allen's former colleagues at Walmart said that he liked to sort of sneak up on them and scare them. I'm wondering if he is the guilty party here. Did he create this weird scene because he enjoys freaking people out? In addition, at least one branch was pre-cut with a power saw, suggesting the perpetrator came prepared to use these pieces of wood as symbols at the crime scene. Apparently, one of the stick configurations left at the scene was a spot-on resemblance for the rune letter called Hagel. The memo reads, quote, This rune is used to depict the word hail. When you put that letter together with the one painted on the tree trunk, it says hail Odin. I want to share some more elements about the crime scene from this memo. And before I do that, I want to give you a trigger warning. Some of this stuff, well, almost all of this stuff is extremely disturbing. I'm going to try to lessen the graphic nature of it by substituting other words when I can. So Libby and Abby were missing 22 hours by the time they were found. This means that whoever took them down that hill had access to them for 22 hours, two hours short of an entire day. I'm now going to quote from the memo. The scene was ghoulish. Libby was found at the base of a tree with four tree branches of varying sizes intentionally placed in a very specific and arranged pattern on her naked body. Libby was positioned flat on her back, with her left arm stretched above her head, touching the base of the large tree. Libby's right hand was covered in blood. Libby's left hand was covered in blood. Blood spots and blood drippings were seen all over Libby's body, from head to toe. Libby's right arm was placed along the side of her body. One large tree branch had been placed on her left shoulder. The branch was so long that it extended above Libby's head several feet and below her legs for several feet as 
well. Two smaller branches formed a V where her legs joined her body, with both sides of the V extending upward toward Libby's head, with one branch extending to the left of Libby's head and the other to the right of Libby's head. The last of the four branches extended across Libby's body on a line from her right shoulder to her left shoulder. This fourth tree branch also connected with the other three branches and was placed under both branches that formed the V. End quote. I'm going to describe the rest of what it says in my own terms. So Libby's neck had a gash in it, and part of that was covered up by that fourth branch. There appeared to be no blood sprayed or dripped onto the leaves or the tree near Libby's head or her neck. It appeared likely that she had been done in at a nearby tree and then dragged to her final resting place where she was positioned before having the tree limbs placed on her in a very specific pattern. The memo says that whoever did this to the girls treated Abby very differently. She was found just a few feet away from Libby. Her body was placed on an angle to Libby, with Abby's legs just a few feet from Libby's legs. The way the bodies were positioned, their heads were just a few feet from one another. Abby was not found at the base of the tree. She was also fully clothed. In fact, Abby was dressed in Libby's sweatshirt and jeans. There was none of the red stuff on Abby's clothing, which means she was likely done in while not wearing any clothes and then dressed by the perpetrator or perpetrators after she was no longer living and after the red stuff stopped spilling from her neck. Now, this is really creepy. The defense says that it looks like there was none of the red stuff left in Abby's body when she was placed into Libby's clothing because there were absolutely no red spots on the clothing. There's a theory that if the perpetrator or perpetrators were Odinists, then they perhaps were mimicking a scene in a painting called Odin on the World Tree. So it depicts this Norse god, Odin, hanging from the tree by his legs, with his arms outstretched below. So the sick theory is that perhaps the perpetrator or perpetrators put Abby in that same position in a tree, and that is how they rid the body of the red stuff prior to dressing her in Libby's clothing. The whole thing is so sick and twisted. This would have been possible because Abby, like Libby, had a gash to her neck. That is how she died. But according to this memo, the perpetrator or perpetrators hit a certain artery that meant that Abby did not die immediately. Instead, according to this memo, she died a slow death. Both her hands and her feet were clean, so Libby was covered in a lot of the red stuff, but Abby didn't have any except right near the wound on her neck. The defense lawyers are saying that whoever did this had appeared to go to great lengths to keep Abby's body and clothing clean of the red stuff. Now, according to the defense attorneys, the bodies were posed 
but others have said that the bodies were staged, and there's a big difference between staging and posing. Staging is defined as the purposeful alteration of the crime scene to make it appear to be something it is not. Posing means the positioning of a victim's body, usually in a degrading position for the offender's own pleasure or to shock the finder of the body. So I think you'd have to ask the perpetrator, did you do this to stage the bodies? to make it look like some weird Odinist ritual, to in turn trick the authorities into thinking it was an Odinist behind the crime? Did you do this simply to shock the people that would find the bodies? Sadly, I don't think we're ever going to get the answer to this. So in the memo, the defense is arguing that the investigators quickly abandoned the correlation between the crime scene and Odinism early on as early as March of 2017, so only a few weeks after the crime which occurred in mid-February of 2017. The main reason this theory was abandoned, per the defense, is because a Purdue, Indiana professor who was supposedly consulted told the authorities that Odinism was not involved, but per the defense, no one can recall who the professor was, what the professor's name is. So the 136-page memo alleges that then Carroll County Sheriff Tony Liggett, quote, chose to hide crucial information from the search warrant affidavit and provided false statements in said search warrant affidavit. End quote. So the defense is now asking for what's called a Franks hearing. Such a hearing places the burden on the defense to show that, quote, a false statement knowingly or intentionally or with reckless disregard for the truth was used in an affidavit to get a warrant, in this case, a search warrant for Richard Allen's home. By the way, the memo also listed the names of several so-called Odinites and said that they should be suspects. So the bottom line with this memo is that the defense attorneys want, one, cameras in the courtroom. Lord knows why, maybe because Alan is a narcissist and he wants the cameras. Two, the defense also wants the evidence seized at Alan's house deemed inadmissible. Three, they want Alan moved to another facility to get him away from those correctional officers who allegedly practice Odinism. And four, they want the investigators to look at the other people that they believe are potential suspects because of this whole Odinism thing and the symbols supposedly found at the crime scene. So those are the main points of the 136 page memo. Now, if you want me to do another video about this memo, because it does detail the four suspects, I think it's four, three to four suspects that the defense is pointing the finger at, as being Odinous and possibly responsible for the crime, let me know in the comments. Also, because of the terms I've used in this video, it is unlikely to be monetized. So please consider a super thanks or a Patreon membership or a PayPal donation. If you can swing it, this is how I'm earning my keep. And if you can't, just know that I still love you and I thank you for listening. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Did you learn anything? If so, smash that like button.